Hello, I'm Egypt Rivera, and you're listening to 35s and 45s podcast series, Lens to Lens, a conversation between two photographers discussing process, passion, and pastime. 35s and 45s is a celebration of 35mm film photography and 45s, another name for 7-inch vinyl records. Within the Lens to Lens series, we host a multitude of artists, giving them a place to discuss their love of photography and more specifically, film. In this episode, we sit in and we hear the perspectives of photographer Fela Raymond and multidisciplinary artist Junebug. Junebug works full-time as a visual creative based in Oakland, California. By way of Dallas, Texas and Jamaica, West Indies, He has carefully cultivated his skills for illustration and design. A quirky wit and hand-styled approach gives his work vibrant soul and character. Fela is both a photographer and creative director from Nigeria, currently based in Texas. With influences from moments of traveling, he takes film with him everywhere. Focusing on traditional photographic style, symbolic of the meticulous and steady development of the humanity he captures. Let's hear what they have to say. Yo, what's up, man? Hey, everybody, fella. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Junebug. I'm glad we were able to like make some time to have this conversation, like we did last time. You know, with thirty-five, forty-five. Um, yeah, me too, man. Uh, I always kind of get to say some more fun stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a minute. I feel like a lot has happened since we like we like linked up or even like had a conversation last. Um, like, what's been what's been up with you? What's it been like four months now, five months? It's maybe been a year actually. Shit. Yeah, it's been it's been almost a year. Um, oh damn! I feel like I've shot way less, of course, <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I shot way more since we had that whole conversation. Like, just really? the most random you know, type of shoots. But yeah, I feel like I've definitely shot more since we had our yeah. last uh, conversation, for sure. Um, I feel like it wasn't even because of, well, like it wasn't a lack of going outside. It was just kind of like so much of my idea of going outside changed or just like yeah. the people that were usually fueling the work just kind of disappeared from the streets. So you're just, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think a lot of your, um, from my experience and like us like walking around and like shooting together, I think a lot of um, your interactions, with, a lot of your like imagery um, comes from like human interaction, right? And it's yeah. like when you take that away, you take away like the face of a person, which I think attracts you to a lot of people. You know, just like that word they carry, you know, with their emotions on their face, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah, I feel like I, I've noticed like you kind of like pull that out of people and you can see it in that moment and you try to capture that. Uh, and that's yeah. that can be hard to do when somebody has a mask on. Even for me, I feel like I've, I've shot, I shot maybe less portraits, to be honest with you, like less portraits that I usually do, you know? in the streets yeah. and things like that but yeah. any little moment that I, I felt that there was an opportunity to like just capture human emotion or even like capturing people in the essence of them having a mask on um, I, I try to I try to use that because 
you know, yeah. it's it's very it's been a very interesting year to say the least. Well, I'm almost even learning, like, um, how to or switched up like how I perceive people wearing masks, you know, mm. and trying to figure out mm. how I can still shoot them to emote emotions without seeing half of their face that, you know, uh, would tell you what's going on. Right. And I feel like people's eyes still tell the same story, you know. They do. But yeah, it's it's been definitely weird. And I mean I feel like I've been shooting two um just scenes without people and that's been something or just thinking in terms of if someone like you know how you get a shirt from, I don't know, like your grandpa or something like that, and you almost feel like you're him when you wear it kind of thing, or just you know, you go thrifting and you see something that is so unique that when you wear it, you almost imagine yourself in this era of time or something like that. Yeah. So I feel like I've been thinking <clears throat> in terms of how people have touched spaces or touched objects and to see if there's traces of that person still there or like that was just there a minute ago or mm. just anything that is human that's lingering in the same space or on an object and feeling like that's pretty close to shooting a person because I'm almost shooting the spirit that's still there or like the memory that's still there or just the interaction that was still there. So it's been interesting to now be thinking in that sense of removing humans, but still having them in. So, I don't know. yeah, um, I don't like because I think um, last time we talked, I think it was like right after the protest, and then you know we were talking about like I had just literally like left shooting a lot of like street like protest imagery and stuff like that, where you know there was all that emotion that came. You know, like mind you, we we're this isn't like post-corona this is in the midst of the damn virus yeah uh, you know we kind of launched ourselves out there and our emotions you know just just nobody really cared in those moments because we just really wanted to like we wanted to change you know like people wanted to change people wanted things to change people want like we wanted to start a conversation um figuring out how to be more progressive when it comes to like equality and things like that but you know, I think uh, after that, like, I have to kind of, like, go back in and just take care of myself mentally, you know, figure out how to process everything going on around me. All these, you know, people that are all of a sudden, like, aware that racism exists, you know, like, it wasn't mm. something that was always there, you know, like, they weren't a part of this experience of, you know, the ignorance of, like, acting like this thing isn't there, you know. Um, yeah yeah like yeah. even like from a business aspect you know that's been a hard thing for me to like grasp is just a lot of like companies that are you know even just jumping on the bandwagon of like oh we're there we're in um solidarity uh the, the overuse of the word like yeah yeah <laughs> it know? became like a buzzword like a yeah dude, like and for me uh, i don't know like there's a lot there's a lot that's that, that ties to that it's kind of it, i don't want to say it's a gaslight but to an extent it kind of does feel like it you know 
like for my day job i work for a company that essentially does the same thing like yeah you know they try to create a platform for us as far as like employees to spotlight ourselves and and or as as african-american employees per se Mm. (laughs) you know to like communicate our frustrations and you know like the first day like they they opened up that platform for us it was kind of insane because it was nothing but like people expressing frustrations of like (laughs) racism (laughs) like yo it was kind of crazy to me because they had a popular like radio figure that works for the company as well apparently they had him pop up i don't want to say names because he's kind of big and i I think it'll kind of get the attention i don't want to drop names but they had him pop up and i'm just like I love you, bro, but even you, like, <laughs> speaking on this kind of makes me worry because it's like, where are we going like with I'm this? Like, you. what was, you know, like, where, where where have we gone since then other than, like, you know, creating T-shirts and making us pay for it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. how you support, like, you know, that's how you support the cause and, and solidarity, you know, like creating opportunities. We're taking, taking away the certifications that come with those opportunities now that, you know, you want to like make it an open opportunity for black people. You want to change the mm. perks that come with those opportunities. You get what I'm saying? Like yeah. those are the kind of things that I've kind of noticed. Like, are, are we really like, are we are we really making these changes, or are we just like creating other opportunities for you know for them to like diversify the way <laughs> racism is expressed per se? It's kind of mm. crazy. Mm. Um, well it's it's been interesting because uh, I, I remember like when we were talking you know like as that was happening to like you know the end of it was yeah like a skyrocket in mm-hmm. just like what you like you were saying the spot the spotlight um and not only in the corporate realm and just social media I mean for sure social media definitely like boosted it because you know how um how instagram has changed the algorithm and now it was kind of like for us to stay on top we have to be as relevant as possible and it kind of felt like you know a lot of games yeah the game was was to lean into the the supportive cause and not only that it trickled into like real life in a way of like um of like home space right because mm-hmm. um i think shortly after that when i really noticed how many windows had the black lives matter sign yeah and not necessarily people uh it just felt like a it felt like a um we're cool don't <laughs> don't uh come over here and start right yeah we're, yeah. we're 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 one of y'all like yeah and like our windows exactly because it was huge it was like a, it was like a it wasn't just a small sign it was it was the fact that most of these windows that i saw the sign was abnormally huge mm-hmm. you know or like in prominent places where everybody could see it you know and it it's hard to like weed out those when you're walking through neighborhoods that before that didn't have anything had like some trump shit on there and you're just like oh well i don't know know, yeah right (laughs) but if i'm not mistaken it's kind of giving me like i don't don't know if this is kind of like uh 
I might be wrong about this reference, but I remember like when Jay Z dropped the Black album, right? Wasn't that like kind of like the whole essence of it was like Black was like the new cool, like mm-hmm. being Black and like representing Black, and it just feels like that shit was ahead of its time because like now people, it's kind of like a, a wave again where it's like, oh yeah, pro Black is you know mm. for the culture, like we're 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 doing it for you know. It's like, I don't know, man. I, in reality, I think it's just, it's important to, like, just call out before you represent anything that's, like, trying to say they're pro-black, right? It's like, what exactly are we doing to, like, make these changes in our communities, you know? Like, what exactly yeah. are we doing as this pro-black companies, you know, yeah. that cares about Black Lives Matter? And what are we doing? Are we are we putting police officers in front of our our stores or are we putting, you know, are we doing things like that, that basically show the direct opposite of what we're saying we're doing <laughs> or mm. are we actually like empowering like black communities? Are we like, you know, not, you know, being passive aggressive to black people when they come into their, your business and things like that. Like, are we actually yeah. trying to make these like changes or are we just like kind of talking about it for the hype of the, you know? Right. Of, I mean, Black yeah, Matter. yeah. I, I know in Oakland there's been um, a good bit of like this empowering stance on creating opportunities for black people and people of color, and it's kind of been like very interesting to to see and kind of inspiring to see like indie organizations um, holding space um, because I mean, well institutions being challenged on like their uh, authenticity um, surrounding supporting uh, black lives. So, um, you know, there's an institution that uh, my collective, uh, we challenged um, out of just feeling like this was wrong, right? And Mm -hmm. We ended up making that like this entire campaign and ended up enacting change within that institution. Um, and it was kind of like my first time of being affiliated and seeing that happen from the small to the big, right? Mm. Um, and just the power of voices and unifying behind one strict cause and then meticulously working at that until change happens um and it wasn't it wasn't just like a like a two or three person group it was like a whole collective collectives joining uh collectives adjacent joining and you know it was just like wow it's incredible to just watch you know day in day out meetings, listening in, um, change happening this year, you know, as the ripple effect is still going, basically. Um, So that's another thing I I think is important to understand is like change takes a good bit of time. It does take time. You know, and so even last year, these companies that, were in those brackets. Some weren't, but some, you know, like the companies that were in those brackets that was just feeding off of the hype and 
feeding off the murder of black lives as a way to propel themselves to the top. I feel like they can be, they're not as vocal now, you know, because it's, it's kind of died down quote unquote. And, um, it's, it's still like rippling. Like if they're still being seen as like, they were, they weren't for it in the, in the first place. So I think there's still something about continuing the fight until we see actual change. Change, right. Versus that, that's feeling like deal. Yeah, versus feeling like we can flip the switch and turn it off and focus right. on different distractions. Once everybody else is like focused on something else, right? We'll just right. turn the switch off real quick, take the batteries down. Exactly. On to, on to uh, the next month of the year, you know. <laughs> Basically, yeah, no, it, it feels that way to be honest with you. Um, I was just thinking today, like, because I know, like, we were a part of um, before all this even happened, like, not knowing what was going to happen. We did, me, I worked with Joshua Kissy um, on um, Nike's like, Black History, yeah, man, the Black History Month uh, collection that we did last year. Um, we helped, we like uh, did the shooting and like you know, documenting of that. Um, and, you know, I just kind of noticed, I was like, well, we're kind of mid in, mid into February right now. I haven't seen Nike really, like, put out anything about that <laughs> this year. You know, in reality, I don't know if they're going to do anything at all because mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense because it could be kind of tone deaf considering that they've been doing this for years <laughs> and everybody just kind of, like, hopped on this bandwagon where they want to be a part of the Black History Month, like, you know, celebration, you know. Um, so I don't know I was kind of thinking about that this morning I was like that's interesting I haven't seen anything come out about that and usually they, they kind of pre-launch that before the month even starts so but mm. yeah man like after we had talked going back to that like after we had talked like last year um, mm. I, even like after the pandemic you know things kind of we had that slowdown with work and then things kind of like picked up again for us you know because uh, yeah. I was, I've been working with Joshua for I worked with Joshua for about two years, basically while I was in New York, and now yeah. I'm back in Dallas. So, and we had like, I mean, we did a, we did like a shoot with Nia, Nia Da Costa, uh, for she, you know, she's supposed, she's a producer, um, mm-hmm. with, with like Marvel. Um, oh, like it, I even started working with um, <clears throat> with my uh, my boy Ike. Uh, he's a photographer as well. Um, he does a lot of uh, published work as well. Um, but, you know, I, did, I just, like, kind of got connected with these guys and we kind of built a relationship, like, communicating, mm-hmm. um, figuring out, like, where I kind of fit in in that world, you know. But mostly well, doing it... a lot of, like, lighting work for them. And it was really, like, really good experience getting involved That's... with these guys, meeting these people that they worked with or they right. got to work with, or that we got to work with in reality, you know, like Charlemagne as well. Like we got to capture him. Yeah, I saw I saw the the result of that. That was that was really cool. Yeah, that was probably one of my favorite sets we did for interviews. <laughs> Those for I'm back. sure, like I'm sure, like even the the shoot itself was hella funny, and interesting too. Just yeah, it was Grand Charlemagne. Yeah, he's a character. We talked about a lot. It was just like random stuff. I think I, you know, him and Joshua talked a bit about like Ghana and investing back in Africa and things like that, which mm. I think we should all, in reality, like, uh, why not? Like, 
Right. People are willing to buy timeshares and buy stocks that mm-hmm. in reality probably can get nowhere. <laughs> right. Instead of just investing in themselves, investing back home, you know. Um, yeah, I think that's that's like yeah, it was it was a really interesting conversation. And even like on that set, like I have to give a little shout out to, to our like uh production design set manager, the girl that did the, the set design. Uh oh with the mics. Yeah, like her name is Beth. Uh uh Beth Pacradoni. Pacradoni? I don't know, I might be saying it wrong, but Beth Pacradoni, she's bro, she's amazing. Like Yeah, I'm looking at her stuff now. Yeah, every time we're on set, like I feel like even like the shoot we did before that was another for T magazine. Um I mean, you know, I do like the light setup and all that shit, you know, making sure mm-hmm. everybody's like you know, making sure Joshua's good, but like her, her attention to detail, man. I was I'm really impressed. By yeah, it, the table with uh, the the set, the yeah, the food set. Yeah, that was crazy. Yep, yep, yeah. The food set was insane. That was really inspiring for me for because like long term, at some point, I I want to get into that. Like oh, I love really? to cook. Like I've always just been into like uh, Nigerian cuisine and just really cooking. Like I like mm. I have a lot of fun in the kitchen. Like yeah, because you're from that. Nigeria originally. Yeah, yeah born, born in Nigeria. I got here, like, you know, when I was uh, 10 years old, like, in Arlington, Texas. Kind of grew up there before going to New York and stuff like that. But, man, like, yeah, I'm really into that aspect of, like, documenting, like, the food process and stuff like that. I mean, that's it. Yeah. So, I think, like, I, I really enjoy, like, seeing food shot really well you know Same. but there's something about because uh, I, I follow a lot of food instagrams and stuff and i just there's something about the plating that draws me like cooking the food i love it but like a good plating you know when you when you design the plate with the food you just cook and you kind of do a little drizzle of the of the gravy or the sauce or whatever. <laughs> there's there's some some artistic quality about that which I would love to shoot and you have colorful plates that match the food and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I look at that more and I could get into it, you know, and I, I think like I mean, it definitely is a lighting thing as well. Yeah, no, 100% it's a lighting thing, dude. Like, and one thing that I like, I, advice that I want to give to anybody out there that's really kind of like struggling with lighting and things like that. In reality, like the base foundation of lighting something, to me at least, I don't know about anybody else's theory, but my theory goes, the base foundation of lighting something is we're trying to imitate the power of the sun, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like, Mm. Most people, like, we're trying to, we're, every light source, for the most part, is made to somewhat try to imitate a sun power or a light power, which was generated from a sunlight or a natural light source, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. So that's really all you got to focus on. Like, if you can emulate that this source of light is the sun, <laughs> or, like, try mm. to emulate that or, like, recreate that instance or essence, I guess you'd say in your imagery you know for the most part for a lot of imagery sometimes you're trying to recreate moonlight you know you could also imitate that and try to recreate it in that type of setting but as long as you can keep that like mentality mm-hmm. you're looking at that image and you're seeing that if if you close your eyes and you, you, you take away where that light's coming from 
and you just look at your subject. Does it look like they're being lit by sunlight or does it look unnatural? And that's how I kind of go off like and try to like gauge my lighting. It's like if it looks mm. unnatural, I'm not trying to shoot that shit. I'm completely like turned off by it. Um, mm personally at least you know and that's where with a lot of people you see me work with like as a photographer even as like a light assistant or photo assistant um my focus is making sure that we're able to emulate like at least a minimum of a natural light source you know or the sunlight even if we're using artificial lighting like the, the, the point is to make it look like they're standing you know in front of a natural light source you know Mm. Uh, and that, where I'm like mm-hmm. yeah and I mean I love the actual sun <laughs> you exactly know? no I 100% think, same uh, for so much same. of my work has been outside and just focused on natural light yeah and um, I I feel like I've taken studio yeah I took studio when I first started back in 2005 where um, damn, but it wasn't yeah, but you know, it's it's a like it's just in and out basically. Because when yeah. I started was also the year that the the um, photo lab in my small town, like I went to McMurray uh, okay. University out in Abilene. Oh, dope. Uh, yeah, so way Texas, and the little photo oh, lab so we had cool. down the street from the school just closed one day and I wasn't I, I was just very early into film so I wasn't yes, aware of like exactly. what was going on well just what was going on in the film world so when I saw it closed I was like oh there's another one and like there wasn't another one and then you know the teacher was like yeah film is dying out so there's digital now and that's kind of when I was just like dang I just got into this like what the hell um and then <laughs> I uh, then I, I tried doing digital after that, and it didn't really hit as much as it as film did. Like it didn't ignite that little passion flame in my soul. So <clears throat> I think I just utilized film for more of a practical tool of documenting what I was doing at like shows, place to vent and do art shows and the clothing brand that I was working on and I would just document those and document the people that came and just form of like a memory kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I even tried doing those, uh, where I would do, um, I would do photo shoots, I guess, where like I had contracts or signed agreements and just trying to like <laughs> do pricing and packages yeah. and so and I was just like, ah, this doesn't feel like me, really. This feels like I'm not really, I don't know, the service of people. I just want to shoot. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't think I was cut out for shooting people in, like, a set time and giving them options and, like, all this. Right. I, there was, it was more like, I was more on the art side. You yeah, you don't like the format than, of having a, like, you know having timeline like oh i'll get you back the images in this day all that yeah shit. yeah because okay. i mean i had i'd already separated myself from doing that and i chose what medium i was going to mm. utilize for applying a service to someone and that was the art stuff so 
it was kind of like when I got back into film photography, I was like, oh, I don't want to do any commercial work. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to think about a package deal. I don't want to think about giving you, you know, my edits or whatever. I just, I want to just shoot. I just want to wait. Yeah. And if I like it, then I'll share it or like if you like it, you know. So I'm still trying to even figure that out now because I've shot with some of my friends and it's cool because I don't feel like I'm pressured. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I could just shoot casual, casually too. So how do you expense this though? Like that's what I had to ask. Like, so how does it, how do you expense the cost of like film? Cause film is not cheap and photography is not cheap. A lot of people don't know this. Like, you know, it's, it's something not. that it's definitely something that's an investment, especially if you're a film shooter. Um, you know, rolls of film cost like twelve dollars a pop. Developing costs like twelve dollars a pop. If you're not developing yourself, you don't have a scanner. It's all gonna add up. Like the more you mm -hmm. do by yourself, you know, the the more efficient, cost efficient it can be. But if you're not yeah. on that end yet, and you're joining this, you know, get into film. It's it's definitely something that I would say you got to save your pennies and kind of figure out what works best for you. So how do you expense that stuff if you're not? Are you mm -hmm. like still charging the friends? Or are you still letting them pay for the cost of film at least? Or what, what do you do? So, I mean, personally, like getting into film, it's so I, I know it's expensive. And I know you're going to spend, you know, just unexpected amounts on little rolls and stuff. Um, but there is something about it where once you shoot your first roll, right. it becomes addictive. And sometimes you just don't care how much you're spending. <laughs> you're you just know? like, I just want to shoot. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I just want to shoot. Understand. Um, I, but... I, I yeah, and at the same time, like it teaches you a little bit because you you're not getting that instant gratification in most cases, right? So when you do get that back, it affects different personalities differently because some people write down what they did wrong or like very meticulously take notes on what they're shooting, what type of lighting, you know, very 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 um, detailed notes. And some people like me will just take a mental note, forget it, but then feel it later, you know. Um, right. An example is like, I've definitely thought I was going to be able to take notes while shooting, but it's so difficult because... It's difficult, I can't... Especially like when you're doing street photography. Yeah. If I'm taking note, I'm missing another shot, you know, so... Literally. I just try to like figure out how to remember it and that's through feeling and so i've just kind of like shot and when i see the film i remember the feeling and that also helps me accept how the film came out or how the shot came out because sometimes i'll see a shot think i'm taking it with the proper settings and it comes out underexposed or it comes out blurry because my shutter was too um, slow or the lighting was too low but then remembering how it felt in that moment, the photo could basically explain that moment better. And so I'll accept it if it's underexposed because maybe that moment was a bit like more emotional than I'd, 
than I was thinking it was. Um, yeah. And so the film will show that. Um, but yeah, when I first started, man, or back into it, it was 2016, and I went through film, I went through money. But I was also supported by my freelancing with the art. So I didn't choose to go back into film until I got to a point with my art where things were a bit more manageable. And, you know, I could, I basically had money saved up for film by doing something else. Like I had a cash flow already of working for myself and using the, the art that I intended on providing as a service to supplement this art that was eventually going to circle back into inspiration for the service. So it was kind of like in my mind, everything feeds into everything else. Mm. And at the end of the day, I'm basically able to create because I can see. And if I strengthen how I'm seeing and being more open to the world to be able to see more things, then whenever I go back to the drawing table, I can draw better, I can see things better, I can understand things better, and I can approach solutions differently. So it was almost like, this is going to help, this is an investment that's going to help me in the long run. So even if I pay a huge sum of money on it, it's only going to help me see things clearer when I'm creating, you know? And so that's gonna pay for itself on the back end. So through photography, I've been able to travel and document places I go, things I see, people I meet, and then come back and I'm doing a project from a person that I met, you know, that got me into that project when I come back to draw. So it's almost mm -hmm. like I meet, you know, it just, it works yeah, hand in hand. Circles. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's how I've been able to kind of like supplement it. And the friends that I okay. have that, that understand my vision will help me with like the cost and the expenses and stuff like that. And then I've grown to know that I should lessen how much I pay on film to where I can only pay for the actual role and everything else is my time. So I develop my black and white and my color in the dark room that's a block away from my house. Dope. And it's an artist run dark room in West Oakland called Low Light Dark Room. And there's just a bunch of us artists in there that are just loving film and needing a place to develop and print. And so uh, we have like a little membership um, where it's just co-op basically. And awesome. we get in there and we have, you know, ability to like develop our own film, do workshops yeah. with each other to show us how to do it. That's um, got a scanner in there and the computer and all that stuff. So it's it's definitely helpful to have a way of kind of taking out some of the cost right. and making it expensive. Because if I was to go and shoot, buy the film, shoot the film, take it to the lab, have them develop it and scan it and print it, yeah, that's, you know, for that's one roll, you're looking at probably like that's about 35 bucks. Yeah, it's going. If you printing as well, yeah, that's going that's going to run you up a couple of a couple of maybe like eighty bucks minimum. To be honest with you, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, but but I was gonna, I would say, 
for sure like the um for me like while we're on the community aspect of like you know talking about like dark room like i've i literally have been really big on like for a couple of years now i've been trying to figure out how to like transition you know just like my love for film photography and Mm. being able to like share that with people and like being able to like you know communicate that with people because a lot of friends of mine uh, that are you know in different like different forms of life like they're musicians they're photographers they're artists like painters you know they're Mm. illustrators some of them are like lawyers they're just doing their own thing um but they're all like have a we all have a shared love for art and photography right um and you know everybody wants to take pictures but a lot of people like we're losing that from that instant gratification we're losing you know we're losing like uh we're losing like the stories to be honest with you like we we lose the story we lose that moment when it's like oh i took this photo and you completely forget about it like i have over ten thousand photos on my phone right now you know, mm-hmm. that are mostly digital images that I've shot. Well, I take that back. I have over, I have 33,000 photos in my phone right now. And, and you know, phone. in mm-hmm. my phone alone. Yeah, not to speak of the multiple hard drives from like shoots I've done over the past 10 years where, you know, I can go back in those moments and I completely would just be like, damn, like I remember exactly where I was doing this, doing that in that year. Like it just right. completely takes me back, you know. Um, with right. film, I feel like it's so much more empowering knowing that you created that with the whole process. You know, like mm-hmm. it wasn't just a click that you instantly forgot you even took the photo. Like with film, yeah. you might forget you took the photo, but there was so much more that went into taking that photo that kind of empowers you to be like, oh yeah, okay, I, I'm, you know, like I'm I'm going right back to these moments. Like I'm there. You know, yeah. I'm like, no, I mean so, I feel that because like what even inspired me to even start shooting film was just remembering the moments from my childhood, you know, cause I was born in Jamaica and for the first eight years of my childhood was spent like outside, but like mm-hmm. all of those memories are basically in printed in film. film photos. Yeah. Exactly. And exactly. I would say like most of us have some sort of connection with um, previous generations to where we can, at least see what they look like as you know younger right adults kids maybe you know baby pictures are floating around and so those are tangible things that you can hold up and stare at for a while and try to imagine Mm -hmm. what this person was doing at the time or like even how you are kind of like separated from um from them or even similar to how they were you know like see the similarities that transcended time and i think whenever i um think about just photos i think of just looking at searching for and seeing like my grandfather and like seeing my uncles when they were younger and the styles that they were wearing and stuff like that so in my mind when i'm shooting now i'm like thinking ahead you know so like i'm capturing the moments now but I'm thinking, what are they going to look like in 20 years? How much of their are they going to feel tangible in 20 years? You know, um, I don't know. It's 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 a it's a nice like way to see it, and I through those through that lens, I feel like I don't lose the love for it because it's not about 
me taking the photo now. It's about more so like the future of looking back. Yeah, yeah, I've seen, uh, <laughs> I was kind of like gassing myself up earlier today, um, talking to Adrian. So mm-hmm. I was uh, <laughs> I was just going through like my uh, alter ego profile, which most people don't even know I have, where I just dump <laughs> a lot of film and do a lot of music and DJ stuff. Um, we uh, so I was, <laughs> I'm not even going to say the things, but... <laughs> But I was just going through it and just like, I was just like, damn, like, yo, I'm sorry, but y'all asleep. Like, I'm, there's like some stories on here. Like, I even go back and I'm just like, the, the way I laid somebody, like, laid somebody out, the comments when in relation to the, like, not the comments, but the titles to some of these images in mm-hmm. relation to like the imagery. I think I have a, I have a really good time like titling images like with the funniest like titles or just like uh you know a title that might make you like just think about it in a different way but right. yeah there's a lot of film there from like 2010 like 09 like crazy crazy stuff man like even like from like uh you know 2017 when charlottesville happened it was like a specific image that i really was like damn that's crazy that i captured that it was a mm. newspaper that said after Charlottesville, but it was sitting on top of like a toilet, like um, in a, a black, oh, wow. like in a black tiled bathroom. Bro, the tiles on the wall is all black, and the toilet's white, and it's sitting right on top of it. And oh just man, like, wow. I see it. I yeah, see it. yeah. I'm just like, yo, okay. Uh, that's that's. There's some really like interesting stuff that takes me back to a time where I'm just like, man, like we've been we've come a long way and you know we're still here just pushing through this bullshit um you know like making something out of nothing like we always do um as artists and as creators you know trying to communicate you know with the world share our views and our perspectives through our you know imagery through our illustrations through our music um it's 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 interesting man like yeah. just going back and like kind of looking at some of this film i don't so, i can't imagine like each role if i was to go back to each sheet like each role of like film from back then like you know there'd probably be thousands of more images that i'm like why did i not pull this out yeah no <laughs> you know? no that's that's kind of what happens too it's like yeah when you know i'm working on a, a second book right now and a lot of the Ooh. images that i thought were going to be fire I'm realizing that they're older, <laughs> you know. Right. They're yeah, not the new not ones good. of me, like thinking technically I got better. It's more so like the feeling like of the old ones. Mm-hmm. So, um, but That's you know, amazing. I was thinking about I was thinking about the bathroom scene that you just described, and in my mind, I was like figuring out like what I would shoot that with per se, mm-hmm. you know, and. I don't know if you have a favorite film stock when it comes to black and white, but like mine is tribes. And uh, I, you know, because I've been like in the dark room now, so I've been experimenting on like pushing. And so I was even thinking like that bathroom scene, I would meet her at 1600 and then be shooting 400 tracks and then push it to, you know, twice in the dark room mm-hmm. and get that bathroom and get that grainy of the black tile and all that stuff. Or I would do 800 and, you know, push it once. Or I would even do like, I would even like shoot 
um, I've shot 400 and then pushed it, like metered at 400 and then pushed it to 800 in the dark room. See, I'm not that bold. And you talk about <laughs> black and white, right? Yeah. So I recently saw, because, okay, so before I even get into that, like, I'm going to loop around to the whole conversation. But basically, I, I, I started a film with camera business, right, called Jar of Film. I don't know, like, I kind of told you about it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimbug. But basically, I was doing some, like, insta-stocking of, like, film photographers and people that are shooting film on that genre film profile. And uh, I basically, I run into somebody that pushed, I think it was 800 to 1600 in the color. And I was just like, what? It was MF Doom, oh. though. And it was a photo of MF Doom in London, in UK, in, like, in the 90s. And I'm just like, what possessed you to even, like, try that experiment? You know, from, like, from that from that amount, like, pushing it that much, like, you know, and it was really, like, low light, but it worked out, like, it looked really dope, I was kind of shocked, actually, so it just kind of gave me, like, mm. you know, some, like, okay, maybe I need to experiment with pulling and pushing more, like, usually when I do this, when I'm not trying to do it, and I'm just like, ah, I didn't like how that turned out, I'm not going to do that again, um, it's yeah. very rare that I want to pull and push something, um, but, yeah, like, I, I'm personally a Fuji film guy, like, the Fuji oh. period, Oh, I man. don't know why. I think it's the. I know you can clown me, but like, no, I think it's just, I just feel sorry for you because they discontinued everything. Well, no, oh no. Oh really? Fuji Pro. Are yeah, Fuji they they discontinued all the pros, and that's the funny thing. So the pros weren't really. So for me, I'm like, and that's why I kind of started this film camera business. I want film to be accessible to everybody, right? Like they used to. Like I need Walgreens to start developing again. I need everybody to start doing what they used to. And that way we don't have to pay that much when we're developing, you know, because it's a legit thing that we all care about. Um, but my reason for loving the Fuji is it's, it's accessible. Like I could hit up, you know, Walgreens, CVS. I can go to, um, what's the name of the spots in New York? Like uh, the, the, I can go to any like little like, you know, CBS pharmacy, like oh, I, I can ask them for film and they have the three pack, the Fuji superior shout out to Fuji mm -hmm. for having them like accessible. Like I wish they would just give them more ISOs, like give them the 800 ISOs, <laughs> bring that shit back. Cause that's the only thing that sucks. It's like, it's only 400, but, right. but like for me, it's more than enough. Like a lot of the colors, like I love it for the color. Like, like uh, if I yeah, that green, there's like that green, and even like the blues are really subtle, and that's what I like. It's like, it almost, uh, if you if you look up a lot of like film in like, or not even film, if you look up any photos in like Japan, like, mm -hmm. it just naturally looks like that out there, which is kind of weird. So a lot of the images like that, that people shoot out there kind of have that look already. I, I don't know if it's like the way the sun hits or whatever, but mm -hmm. it gives you that like same lighting and you know that kind of tone in uh, a lot of your imagery if you use that, uh, the Fuji. But I like the Fuji. If I shoot black and white, uh, I had a guy named David um, in New York, um, and he shout out to David. He was like supplying me, like you know, giving me black and white films. Yeah, he was the, he was the plug. He was the film plug. To be honest, he had a bunch of Ilford, and honestly, like I lost. I don't know what was going on with like me in New York. I I was kind of going through like depression or whatever it was but i lost like my favorite cameras like all my cameras my film cameras i basically somehow lost or broke David, yeah it was kind of crazy like even like the weekend i left like my favorite vivitar that i shot 90 percent of my double exposures on because it had mm -hmm. a exposure release on it um 
I lost that on an Uber. Like, I don't know. I shot, I think I, I was shooting James Tillsman. That was the last person I shot with it. And I lost it. I, I have my roles, but I don't have the camera. So I don't know where the camera went. It just disappeared. Um, but David basically supplied me with like some point and shoots, like two repos that I got to use for a little bit. One of them stopped working. The other still works, but I rarely mm-hmm. use them now. Um, but he gave me a bunch of Ilford 400, like black and white film and like even some like uh, ex, ex, um, expired film, some reporter film that I've kind of like just been kind of playing with. Um, yeah. And that was, that's kind of what I've used. And I've kind of fallen in love with that. I don't know if I really want to, I used anything else. I'm not really yeah. too much of anything. I've been you... really wanting to try some of the city still film though, for sure. Yeah, I got, I got a couple of them. Um, the Daylight's my favorite. But um, okay. yeah, like like how you were saying with accessibility, I feel like that is part of the reason why I like um, this particular stock because Kodak Gold, like it mm-hmm. comes in a three pack, and right. you can get it at CVS or Walgreens too. Mm-hmm. And really, I, I rarely see those. Yeah, you can get the because you can get the Kodak Ultra. Supermax, I think, too. Mm-hmm. That's the 400, but the Kodak Gold is, like, my favorite. And um, I liked it at first, and then I didn't like it because I was like, oh, it's it's the cheap film that you can get anywhere. But then I was like, oh, no, mm-hmm. I kind of like that. It don't matter. You can make you know? it work. That's yeah, what everybody and, used to shoot with. <laughs> yeah, and I really like it, man. It's, like, it's it's warm. I like what it does to portraits. The portraits, yeah. And then I came, I came across the article a while back about um, the chocolate, uh, like when Kodak was developing the, the, the 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 gray card, where it's just like metering, or developing photos for mm. white skin and not for black skin. And then, oh yeah, I remember you. Yeah, and, and then like, a little bit. and then seeing that the Kodak Gold was for chocolate, and I was like, oh, okay, this makes more sense now. Why I'm choosing this? Why you love it? Yeah, and <laughs> and it was cheap. But I was just, I knew it wasn't like, it wasn't rocket science for me to just walk in and be like, all right, let me get the Kodak Gold three pack, and then mm. walk out, you know, and mm. just knowing that I'm getting three in a pack kind of gives me this mentality of like, okay, I'm set for the day. I'm set for like the next yeah, day. Yeah, I think I'm going to be set you know, for at least a week. Yeah, yeah. yeah I feel that. And then yeah, that's 36, roll, uh, 36 shots each roll. You know, I mm-hmm. the only thing is I wish they would make it or bring it back for 120. Right. Because then it would just be Kodak Golden slide film. Yep, I feel that. Because I, I love shooting so, slide film. So I'm on like camera hunts right now for the, the camera business, and like I know for me like there's there's one camera that I've always wanted to get, and I already got my hands on it, and now I'm like bored. <laughs> so, like the Texas the Texas Leica was one like I've always wanted to get, which everybody knows is like the GW six ninety or Fuji six nine. I already the I got Texas two of those on my Leica? hand. The Texas Leica, bro. If you if you can pull up out here, you can mess with mess around with it while you're in town, but. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a 120, bro. Look it up. Six by nine. Uh, I shot my first roll on it. They're pretty decent, but I got to shoot some, I want to shoot portraits on it. Like I've been shooting a lot of landscape stuff and I shot some like Mercedes with some rust on it. That looked pretty cool, but 
I want to I shoot someone like for a trip on Texas Leica. Yeah, look up Texas Leica and you'll see it. It's a pretty big body, but I love it. And then I also got my hands on a Hasselblad, which it was also my right. camera. Okay. <laughs> and the first one I shot on it was some really old expired film that I think was the chemicals went bad. So I only got one image out of it. So I got to shoot some more today to test it out and see what that turns out like. Um, that way I can kind of see what my first row looks like on that. But other than that, like the only other camera I really wanted to get my hands on is like a Machina or a Machina, Machina. Which hey, you, you be knowing all these cameras. I just yeah yeah. There's I like find my cameras. And, uh, they find me. Seven. Yeah okay. I feel that too. So that's how I started though, Junebug. Like I would hop into the Denton Camera Exchange. I'd be like, yo, what you got for me, bro? And he would like pull out three cameras that I could play around with. And I'm like, all right, I'll take this one. I'll pay him. I'll head out and go shoot. I'll come back. I'll be like, can you develop it? He'd be like, all right, cool. And then he'd be like, yo, you got that out of that? That's crazy. I'm like, yeah, mm. that's what you gave me, bro. Like, what you want me to do? Right. <laughs> so, like, that's kind of how I really kind of jumped back into, like, film when I left the Texas Tech because that was where I really get fell in love with it. But, you know, like, ever since then, like, ever since, like, exploring and, like, uh, experimental photography class that I also took at Texas Tech, my eyes have really kind of been open to like film experimentations, like you know, getting different f- film cameras, shooting more. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever considered like, because you're you're also an illustrator, you're like a multi-dimensional artist. Uh, if you've ever considered like maybe some form of like collage in your work or bringing both worlds together with film and like your illustration. Um, I've tried that actually. Oh, but really? I mean, no one's really seen it, uh, except my girlfriend. But like, yeah, I, I can see that. I'm, I'm, I'm like instant for you to put some of that because that's gonna be insane, dude. Like, I need that. That's it's where like, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm trying to head in that direction at some point. But yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think I'm more. I would love to. It's been it's been digital, like just testing stuff out, but like okay. or drawing okay. on top of something. Stuff, but yeah. like, it'd be nice to do some analog base, like making an image or like some sort of chemical um analog like experiment where it's like a drawing but like you know etched out with a chemical or something yeah like that okay hey so uh yeah i would love now that we're talking about it let's uh i would love to throw it out there if we could uh collaborate on a scene of some sort or even a book scene scene yeah, let's do a zine. Let's do a zine. I want to do that. Let's let's put yeah. together a zine, and we can try to like do some like photography, illustration type deal, or collage work. I think it'd be sick. It takes me forever. Just gonna let you know that. Oh no, you're good. Cause all year I'm I'm gonna be just cranking out zines this year. That's my goal is to just put out as much as I can, especially being that I have to test out like fifty cameras. So yeah. <laughs> oh, like a zine per camera. Well, yeah, per camera or really like I might just create like a dump folder of uh, everything, like of all the images, like categorized by people, places and things and just try to see if I can get zines like just based on all those three things. <laughs> oh, OK. Dang. Yeah. That's tight, man. But I'm still I'm shuffling ideas on this and just kind of throwing them out there right now. Yeah. But that's the goal. I, I want to do more print. I want to do more publishing. I want to get like more stuff in people's hands physically, considering that we can't physically meet these people and they'll still have a piece of your work or a piece of you with them physically, you know? Yeah. Hmm. 
But I mean, the ask yeah. uh, is a is like a large format in your scope. Large format camera. Yeah, or just shooting large format, like four by five. I feel like it is. Uh, that's something I would be interested to be honest with you, especially being that I am a portrait photographer. You know. Yeah, I think I've been experimenting and just. Have you done any large format stuff? No, I have access to now, and uh, yeah, I want to start embarking on that, um, and just like see what sheet film can really bring to the table. So you don't have like a dream camera that you're like, if I could have one camera that I shoot the rest of my life, this would be it. Mm, see, that's the thing is like the whole like uh, permanence to one camera. <laughs> so you have commitment issues, Jim is what you're trying to tell me. Maybe, maybe. Or like just thinking like, like what I have oh is, so, is, is so good already, but I'm just more yeah. focused on learning as much as I can about the cameras I already have. Mm, because I, I think that. there's there's something about knowing your camera so well that you can go into any situation and like... And just knock it out, right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. What, do you, what exactly are you shooting right now? What three cameras do you got or what four cameras? Um, so I, I, I like to get cameras that aren't like the other cameras so that way I learn different things or different mm. approaches. So I have the XA4 with a 28 millimeter lens a4 yeah that olympus uh, uh shoot the, oh okay yeah we have yeah. those in our store as well yeah so but the xa4 cool. is nice because it like i think uh, the other ones have the 35 millimeter lens and this one is the 28 so uh, i've been uh, i've been kind of like seeing what it's it's wide like to yeah to capture wide Ooh, and yeah, then i love um, wide shots like that that's my style yeah, the only, I guess, drawback sometimes is when I think because it, it it's um, shutter priority. So <clears throat> I'll I'll just have to meter or just be in different zones. So I just have to like account for the distance basically, and it handles the rest. But sometimes if it Sometimes it's the the shutter is too slow for what I want, and so it clicks, and then it takes a while to do the second click for it to close the the lens or the the shutter, and then by that time I've moved so much, and so I sometimes get a lot of blurry images. But it's sometimes cool because I mean the latest photo I posted was from that same camera, and Ace was moving, and it still looked cool, you know, and that's what. Another thing is accepting the emotion from that time. Another camera I have is um, the Pentax MX, uh, which I love. It's small. It's an SLR, and the lens is really good. I have this prime lens on it. Um, and you said a Pentax MX? Pentax MX. Yeah, I started on the K1000. Is it um, like a number? It's just like a Pentax No, it just MX. says Pentax MX on there. Mm, that's interesting yeah there's a there's the ultimate oh, one now yeah I know what yeah you there's mean. that you the have ultimate. a 35 on it um no i have a 50 15 no. yeah but it's like 1.4 but there's a there's a pentax um uh like 
LX, which is like the ultimate one. That's the next one I want to get. So I guess it looks, you know, it's like evolving. So I had the K1000, then I had the MX now. And so the final stage, final form is the LX. So that's gotcha. the next one that I want to trade in. Yeah, man. And then I have um, a roller cord, which is like a roller flex, a twin lens. Um, so that was a whole experience of just having the top down twin lenses, you know, kind of walking around with it. Quiet, quiet, quiet shutter. Yeah. And um, the square format, six by six. Six by six. Um, and then, um, yeah, medium format. And then I have a Canonet. Uh, rangefinder poor man's like I guess that's what they call it and, and then that was the most challenging camera to learn on I think the which camera. one do you have the Q3 or the QL17 Ooh, see I have the Q3 that I just got um I don't even I'm yeah I don't know I, it looks challenging so I'll just say that <laughs> yeah because I was so used to I had never shot a rangefinder I didn't know what rangefinders were so yeah, you see how that from viewfinder works, right? Like the focus ring. Right, right. Yeah, that's yeah. how. So they call that the poor man's Leica, but that's kind of how that Texas Leica works as well. Oh, like it cool. has that same focus ring here. Yeah, it's actually easier for me now. Yeah. You know, because on the SLR, I can spend so much time. Is it in focus? Is it not focus? Like, with, like, is it? Uh, okay, it's good. No, wait, it's not good. But on the on the Leica, I can. I mean the. On the Canonet, I can just, you know, line up those images, those ghost images really quicker and just be like, all right, that's good. Click it, move on, you know. And that also has a silent shutter. I think for street photography, it's perfect. Mm. Um, at least for me, it was. And then I have a, I found a, um, a 110 camera. Uh, mm. in someone's house and they let me, you know, I was able to let you keep it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like one of those uh, helping uh, clean out a house and I found it. Mm. Um, and then there was a couple of 110 rolls in there. So I, I shot it out. I don't know if they came out or not, but we'll see. And so just using an Instamatic 110, it's been kind of cool. Um and then I have my baby bag, which is this. Um, the one you got repaired? I got repaired, but then I also bought a new body because the one I sent in was not able to get repaired fully. Oh, man. So they took the parts from that one and put it on this new body. And it's an earlier Ooh. model, but it has more capabilities. Like Where do you get your repairs back? I need to send my There's this guy back. out in Colorado. Um, oh, he's in Colorado. Yeah, his name is okay, Dave, cool. okay. and he yeah, has a spot well. called um, Key Camera Services. And um, he's really cool, really chill dude. Like we talked on the phone. He he's a very knowledgeable guy, and he just can tell you so many answers to any problems you have camera yeah. wise. That would be sick, man. Like if you could share that resource because I know I was talking to I had a conversation with Brian like earlier this week, um, and we talked about. You know, for thirty-five, forty-five, even for like um, my uh, film business, uh, mm -hmm. film camera business, we talked about having a a source of like a link of resources for us to all like kind of share our favorite like locations or locations of people that we know are, you know, adequate resources when it comes to developing film, when it comes yeah. to buying cameras, when it comes to you know, 
maybe even like some locations, whatever, like we can have those adequate sources for people on like, you know, 3545's community page or even like our website for a jar of film. That way, you know, like people feel like more empowered because the biggest aspect of what we're trying to do is more so empower people to capture imagery, empower people to like, you know, create music, share music. Because mm-hmm. for me, like, um, that's for me, music is definitely essential to like a lot of the stuff I do. I was going to ask you, like, if you're listening to any records lately or if you got any records lately, to be honest with you, if you're like kind of closing out. Um, mm. Have you been listening to anything that you're like, this is what I work to or? So I've, I've I guess, give you three. I've listened to. There's a Library of Congress. Uh, Play this? No, it's it's an album, Ooh, but okay. it's a it's a treasury of field recordings, and I oh, I, sure. I love field recordings. I don't know it's something about Same. you know listening to like something that was constantly happening or live right. or something like that's cool. Um, yeah. um, and then I've been listening to that uh, Mad Lib. Uh, Sound Ancestors album. Oh yeah, and sure. recently, as yesterday, I was listening to uh, this uh, Bill Withers um, adjustments. Adjustments is that what it's called? But it's an album by Bill Withers, and it's so good. I was listening while I was cooking. Um, playlists. I just kind of I have my mixes that I listen to on SoundCloud. And um, the one channel I follow religiously is um, Chances with Wolves. My boy put me onto them, and they just make some of the best mixes I've ever heard. And it's most of the songs that come on, I can't even Shazam because they're so cutty. And I'm just like, yo, how how are y'all doing this? So, yeah, that's what I'm at. Dope, dope, dope. Yeah, for me, the only record... I've really picked up with the Roy Hare's Felakuti record. Um, Ooh, that they nice together. It's like a live record that they actually recorded. Um, I'm not going to tell y'all where I got it because then it's going to get sold out and I'm not going to be able to get them anymore. But <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty dope. I should send it, you a link. I'm going to send you a direct link. But yeah, that's kind of um, what I've been jamming to. So. But yeah, I'm kind of running out of time here because I got to go watch the kid. So just gonna want to wrap mm. it up with that um but yeah hopefully we can do one of these again because i feel like there's so much more we could talk about like we could so talk much to more days to be honest so like, much so. more man. so yeah i'm glad so we got to at least like catch up um hopefully i can see you soon man like and we can do some work get some shit done yeah man i love to for sure, for sure. meet the little one finally you know yes i know i don't need you to meet him so like you gotta be uncle Junebug. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure all right man thank you guys for uh checking this out listening to us uh, this is fella alongside with my boy Junebug. what up Junebug? thank y'all so, catch y'all later thank you guys all right for sure peace
You can find more detailed interviews with these photographers and many more on 35sand45s.com. Thanks for tuning in.